Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, producer Ben here. Before we get started, I wanted to share with you our sponsor for today, and that is the one and only Tiny Survival Guide and Card. You can get yours pre-ordered right now over on kickstarter.com, or you can get early access to it before Kickstarter ships over on patreon.com. Go get yours now. All right, let's get into today's Manly Musing segment. Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle. Guess what day it is? Thursday. You know what that means. Time for Manly Musings. Today, I wanted to discuss, guess what? Survival. And when I say I want to discuss survival, I want to discuss the word survival and what it means. Because you see, to me, words have meanings. And the word survival is no different. I looked it up just so I could refresh myself on what the actual definition of survival is. And it reads like this. Survival is the state or fact of continuing to live or exist typically in spite of an accident, ordeal, or difficult circumstance. So, that's a pretty good definition, I think. I like that one. I think the problem that we run into is when we're discussing survival that there are many different meanings to many different people. And actually, all of them still fall under the same definition very nicely. An example is a recent story a couple years ago where a young teenage girl survived a plane crash in which both of her step-parents were killed. She wandered around in the wilderness of Washington State for a couple of days. She was eventually found on a road and driven to safety. Now what she experienced in that wilderness was wilderness survival. In my mind, there's no doubt. What also comes to mind is the soldier who's had 10 deployments to and from Iraq and Afghanistan over the last decade. He comes back home. He's finding it pretty much a struggle just to adapt and fit in back home. And yet, adapt is exactly what he does. He learns how to live his life to the fullest here, appreciating his family, while never forgetting his brothers who never came home. That dude is a true survivor. But what about the cancer survivor? The person who looks at the diagnosis and said nothing is going to stop him or her, and that is just a thing, that they will live life to the fullest. That person is a survivor, and they are in the midst of survival. And even to take it a step further, what about that inner city kid? What about that rural redneck kid who is surrounded by parents that don't care? family and friends that are cooking meth or gangbanging, and they're just trying to figure out a way to get out of that predicament and not get caught up in it. Those two kids, totally different ends of the spectrum, they are definitely in the midst of survival. Matter of fact, in my opinion, all these people are doing survival. I think what has happened to us in the survival 
quote, industry, unquote, is that we've, we've basically turned survival into a hobby, a way of entertainment, otherwise maybe a way of selling things, and just an industry, if you will. I have seen this word survival been utilized many different forms throughout my life. What I thought I'd do is, is basically describe some of the things that I've experienced that I would relate as being survival to tell you how I have gotten to where I am here today. My guess is you probably have experienced one or multiples of these yourself as well, and it probably has put you in a similar position. Or maybe, just maybe, you can identify with one of the people I described above. One of the people that, you know, the soldier, the inner city kid, cancer survivor, girl who got lost in the wilderness, maybe you identify with them. But in general, what I wanted to do is discuss some of these words that get thrown in as survival and, and give you some opinions on the pros and cons of them actually being considered survival from my perspective and at least give us an opportunity for you to consider them as well. The first is period, period correct reenacting. This is basically where people purchase or make, hand make that is, period correct clothing. Let's say, for example, you want to dress and practice the skills of a Civil War soldier or pre-Revolutionary War frontier scout like Simon Kenton or something of that nature. Uh, I used to do this somewhat to, to a little extent. Um, I still do, really, because I still regularly use muzzle-loading rifles, carrying possible bags and powder horns and stuff of that nature. Even some of my members of my extended family actually do it for a living. Uh, I have an uncle that works at Fort Boonesboro, Fort Boonesboro State Park here in Kentucky, and he works there full-time. I also have a cousin who's his son who portrays Daniel Boone for a living. Uh, he calls his business Daniel Boone of Kentucky. Check him out if you've never seen him before. These are all wonderful things that come up with period correctory and acting. And they're very important in my mind, but they're not survival. But let's consider the real positive aspects of this because these are things that can help you with your survival training, that's for sure. Number one, uh, as far as period correctory and actors are concerned, they are fantastic at keeping history alive. I'm a fan of history. I'm a fan of world history. I'm very much a fan of local history, though. And I'm also a big fan of the quote by Edmund Burke. I'm sure you've heard this before, that those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. So in my mind, those that engage in pre-revolutionary war reenacting are doing us all a great service by continuing it. It helps remind us where we came from, who we are as a nation, as a country, and I think that's incredibly valuable for us to be able to understand. I think teachers uh, that are in a public school system, homeschool, private school, or those that are like my cousin who go around portraying characters from history are doing an incredible service to the community at large, particularly our children, when they teach these folks and those that appreciate history so that we can learn from it. And I think that's a good thing. Um, what we should know when we in either engage in this sort of activity or if we learn how to appreciate it and 
and spend some time around people that do it, it it's it's good for us to understand that people in history lived extraordinary lives. And many of them did that under extraordinary circumstances. To dress up like them, to live like them for even short periods of time allows us something that's very important, which is to expand our knowledge base and definitely puts us outside of our comfort zone. Imagine spending a week at uh, Friendship Indiana, for example, where you're living in a lean-to uh, living on a bedroll or maybe even a teepee, which is some of the things that I did growing up, and learning how to, you know, eat squirrels every day or fix something over a fire even when it's hot and stuff of that nature. Uh, these are all ways of learning how to, to deal with adverse conditions and learn how to get through them. The next general way I want to consider survival is, is what's often lumped into homesteading, which is what I would refer more likely as farming because that's what my experience is in. Um, it's not, it is definitely surviving. Anything that we do on a daily basis where we don't die is surviving, okay? We can say that. Um, but being a homesteader or being a farmer is a little more of a step forward in being able to take care of yourself. Uh, you know, much like reenacting, more so than reenacting, actually, I grew up farming. Uh, now, my dad had a good job at IBM and then Lexmark International when it bought out that section of IBM before retiring. So we lived a pretty comfortable existence, really. But, but we always had what I call a hobby farm. And we were always raising cattle. My dad still raises cattle. And for different periods of time, we raised tobacco and corn and, and uh, soybeans and any number of other products and crops. So there's a lot of things that are very hard about farming that I am grateful for now as it pertains to helping others when it comes to survival training. So again, some of you out there may experience this, and, and I'm offering these things too as a consideration for you to get involved in something different than maybe what you're doing to help your survival training. The first thing you learn from farming is that you learn how to be comfortable outside no matter what the conditions are. If it was 10 below, I still had cattle to feed. I had ponds to break and water to break the ice off of so they'd have hydration so they wouldn't die. So no matter what the temperature was, I, I think about that right now because it seems like it's been raining for the last 30 days straight here in Kentucky. If I was still cattle farming, I would have still been feeding cattle every single day burying the tractor up in the mud, getting it pulled out of the mud, getting hay to the cattle, making sure they had plenty of water and all the things that go along with it. So learning how to be uncomfortable in uncomfortable weather conditions is just a given when it comes to outside construction, farming, and stuff of that nature. The next thing that comes out of farming that I'm grateful for now and that you may engage in if you're interested is hard work. You know, I remember the, the one of the life-changing moments for me was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Uh, I was going to get a part-time job. And instead of a part-time job, my dad paid me $2 an hour. Back then, the minimum wage was $3.35 an hour. That's how old I am. But my dad paid me $2 an hour to stay on the farm for the summer and move rock out of the fields. Uh, we live in central Kentucky where there's a considerable amount of limestone on top of the ground. And moving that rock all summer long, I'm talking eight hours a day for $2, <laughs> which seems kind of crazy now. But 
um, taught me some very incredible things. Number one, it learned, it taught me how to deal with hard work. I mean, very hard work. So the tools that I utilized to move all this rock was a tractor and a chain and a sledgehammer and a wagon. If the rocks were big enough for me to pick up, I put them on the wagon, then hauled them off. If they weren't, I broke them up with a sledgehammer, put them on the wagon and hauled them off. If they were too big or buried in the ground, I would hook a chain to them with a tracker, then pull them up and break them apart and put them on the wagon. And so uh, I learned the value of hard work. Uh, some of the things that can come from hard work is very difficult. But I also learned how to become a beast and become incredibly physically fit. By the end of that summer, I was an absolute beast of a man. And it took me from being a boy to, to being a man just from the simple physical exercise of it all. The next thing that I get gets lumped into as survival is what I call disaster readiness. Now, disaster readiness is one of those things that I would consider closer to survival than anything else that we've talked about so far. You know, in disaster readiness, you have to pre-plan and look at the most likely things to occur in your area. Uh, we have to, for example, last year there were several hurricane situations where people had to either leave their homes or their homes were destroyed or they stuck around in their homes and had to deal with the aftermath and that goes along with it. Uh, that's disaster readiness. Uh, some of the other things that ends up getting lumped into disaster readiness is this word prepper, which, you know, oftentimes has this tinfoil hat, tat, tinfoil hat wearing uh, conspiracy theorists that go on and on, odd nauseam. So those people have what I call first world problems. They've probably never been incredibly hungry or never been on the other end of a gun barrel or never been in a situation where their life was imminent, uh, possibly going to end imminently. So they conjure up basically scenarios to live life on the edge as best they can creatively because they've probably never lived their life on the edge for real in the real world. So it's first word problems. But it's somewhat natural because we as a species tend to want to be problem solvers. And so uh, we build up these scenarios like alien abduction or some nonsense like that. And then we learn how to work through a problem of alien abduction and we creatively problem solve. So to a degree, it's not problematic. It's, it's just a indicator of what we like to do as a species. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, try to find the positive in all these things to help you with survival. Now, survival that I focus on obviously is wilderness survival. Survival, and there's a huge difference between what I call doing survival and training for survival because more often than not, what, we in, what ends up getting discussed is survival training rather than actual survival. Actual survival is basically when you're in the situation where there is no backup, there basically is no end in sight, and you have limited or lost supplies. I mean, think about that young lady when she was, I think she was 16, lost in Washington State in an airplane crash. You know, what were you doing when you were 16 years old? This this young lady's been in a plane crash. The two people that loved them were caring for her are dead. And now she has to try to figure out how to hike her way out. She doesn't know if there's wild animals out there, what's dangerous for her. That, that there is survival. Coming to a nature line school class and camping with us is not survival. It is survival training. And people need to recognize the difference. That's why 
you know, in a level one class at Nature Reliance School, I make it incredibly easy and comfortable for people to be there. I want them to be comfortable. And because of the learning, that's what they're there for. They're for, they're for learning how to survive. And once they learn, then, you know, down the road, we'll make it much more uncomfortable for them and see how they react to it and, and learn from it. So that's just some thoughts that I wanted to cover. Uh, basically, again, looking at uh, several, several generalities of period correctory and acting, homesteading, disaster readiness, sometimes called prepping as well as wilderness survival and all the differences that go along with it. I think it's worthy of our attention to consider all of them and see how valuable they are, what kind of things we can learn from them. We also should deeply consider their limitations in helping us and how some of them might actually be problematic for us. For example, I hear people talking about taking a bow drill kit or a flint and steel kit with them for their survival needs. And that's just insane. That's just insane. If you have the ability to pack something, then pack a lighter. I mean, it's just that simple for true survival. Survival training, different animal. If you want to live off the land, then go make that bow drill kit. You know, don't pack it. Go make it. And don't use the string off your boots because that's man-made. Make the cordage from the environment. And, you know, on and on and on. If that's what you want to learn, then do it. Let's do it right. So that's just some thoughts from Manly Musings this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, as always, give us some feedback. Tell us what you like about it. Go on over there to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, and give us a five-star review. If you're listening to us wherever on Spotify or Google Play or wherever it might be, throw us a five-star review. Download these because the download amounts really help us. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how important it is that you download these and listen, and we greatly appreciate that. So... This has been Craig Cottle from Nature Reliance School and co-host of the Survival Show podcast. See you next week. All right, guys, that wraps up today's Manly Musing segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. Stay warm out there. And remember, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.